Wine and Murder Night, a podcast where two friends discuss and drink to your favorite cozy mysteries. Your favorite, our favorite. I'm Carolyn Wilkie. And I'm Sabrina Marshausen. I guess I'm getting cocky. I, I kept my script in my little box where I keep my notes that I'm not using. <laughs> oh, 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 naughty girl. I know. Naughty girl. Well, Sabrina. Yes. Can I start with a rant about capitalism? When can you not start with a rant about capitalism? <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're here for. I don't so know. So you and I. Wait, before you start with this rant, I don't know how the fuck. I think I was like watching BreadTube. I got started in BreadTube when we started this. And I just had a talk with about what I was learning with someone other than, you know, shouting it into the void on Twitter. So I guess this is also Sabrina's podcast about communism. Like, <laughs> I just kind of slipped it in there. Yep, basically. Uh, well, so we mentioned in episode one that um, Death in Paradise is scheduled to go off uh, Netflix uh Around they, we think August first. That the, there's not a clear date, but we're assuming August first because that's usually when things happen. And I was googling it because I couldn't remember. And I know we're on a compacted recording schedule anyway because you're moving, and we don't know what your recording setup is going to be like for months, basically. Yes. So we're trying to get through this whole series because we want to. We love Death in Paradise, and we want to get that to the people. Yes. So I googled it to see if we did have a little bit more time if it was August 1st. And and the reason it is going off on August 1st is likely because the BBC is going to move it over to BritBox. Which is also what happened with Shetland. Mm -hmm. And for anybody who's not familiar with the BritBox streaming service, it's basically an Amazon Prime add-on. So you have to have Amazon Prime, and then you have to pay another $7 a month for BritBox. Just because the BBC wants in on this streaming pie. And so, like, BBC is also doing what? Now NBC's launching their own fucking streaming service? CBS has like, had their own streaming service for a while. I actually subscribe to that Me so too. I can get... Me too. Well, for I just want... um. Star Trek Discovery, which I haven't even watched yet because I'm still making my way through DS9. Well, I I want it for Jeopardy, so like... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do like Jeopardy. Maybe I should actually log on sometime and just have Jeopardy in the background. But they have Jeopardy on Netflix now, too. <laughs> yes. But, you know, I mean, I want to watch it, like, that day with my mom. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. I'm just... The thing that made Netflix great is that you had all this content in one place for one easy price, one subscription. You didn't have to log into a bunch of stuff. You were paying one monthly fee. That's what made Netflix good. And then everybody else saw Netflix be successful and they're like, oh, we want a piece of that pie. But by dividing that pie up, now everybody's just getting a bunch of shitty pie. Mm-hmm. And no one wants shitty pie. So what happened is all these companies, Disney, NBC, um, even the Beep, all these companies got panicky because people were starting to cut the cord. 
mm-hmm. and they were they were losing income. Nobody, you know, they saw that people preferred not watching advertisements. They saw that um, people were starting to look at other ways. Netflix starting its own buying the licensing for shows and also creating its own shows, but also buying shows from the BBC took away from profit potential. So anytime you take away from profit potential, you're going to make a capitalist angry. I know, and but now they're just basically ruining the point. Like the, at this point, we are going to have to start pirating shows again because I can't afford these subscriptions. And anybody who actually cares that much about, like, no one look, fucking cares that much about The Office to buy NBC's yeah. solo subscription service. But that's yeah, that's just the point. If you add up all these subscription services that we're supposed to buy, if we want to watch everything that we want to watch, we would. And also paying for internet through a cable company, we would it would be equal because, for example, it'd be more than it would be more, more than, than just getting cable, right? And but then even if you just had cable, you wouldn't be able to watch all the things. And this is even a problem with Hulu. I yeah have somebody else's hulu password i don't even like uh, technically i have a hulu subscription i just keep for because i i do pay for spotify i use spotify a yeah lot but that hulu has like ads that. and my friends doesn't so there you same. go so same so you go that's why i don't use my hulu subscription because i cannot stand advertisements i don't know if you obviously you know who i am audience <laughs> like i cannot unless this is your first time listening it, which which point welcome to the end <laughs> yes welcome to the beginning of the end i cannot the stand twilight it. of wine and murder night i can't stand advertisements when i use the facebook app every ad i see i cut it off for being irrelevant or they try it but here's the thing about facebook they don't know who i am in any way shape or form they tried to sell me Tanning lotion. I'm black. <laughs> so, on the plus side, no advertiser. Instagram is bad, too. Instagram tries to sell me things that are worth, like, $3,000, and I'm like, I'm a teacher. That's what You know that Instagram is owned by Facebook, right? Yeah, so that means that they know me They even... use literally the same exact ad model. Yeah. I know this because I have to do ads on those things. They know me even less than... You own a whole separate thing that you can look at to see that I'm a cisgendered black female and you sell me, like, prostate exams? Don't have a prostate. Die exam. We don't even have anybody in our lives to talk to about prostate exams. Exactly. I mean, except my dad. (laughs) Like, but... Yeah, I feel like my dad has that covered. Yeah, like, I'm like... What the fuck? So, on the plus side, I know that Facebook and Instagram don't know me at all. And, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but on the on the negative side, ads are fucking everywhere. Ads are oh, yeah. everywhere and I can't stand it. And I know you work in marketing. Don't sell to me. <laughs> like... And I know we wouldn't anyway. I mean, we do sell to teach. Like, we are specifically an education company, so we target teachers a lot to, like... But... Uh, we do try to be, you teach STEM and we make a STEM product. Yeah. And I, I don't teach STEM. Um, 
I have feelings about the concentration of STEM education shit to the to the detriment of other education shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, problem with that. So, like, you don't ever try to sell to me, which you you know not to, because that would that would end a lot of our <laughs> a lot of our <laughs> friendship. Like, please. Please don't. Mom. Also, I know you don't. It would be irrelevant yeah. to try and sell to you. So like, you're not the you're not the end user or the right kind of person. Yeah. To use. And product. so it's like I guess if I had a small child, I might be interested, but I would come to you and ask. Like I feel like advertising is not trusting the person to know what they want and telling them what they want because we live in a capitalist society. So they want us to spend our money that we don't make because we are wage slaves. So I agree. I agree to an extent. I think there are, there's a couple of different kinds of advertising. I think there is a point where you do need to make people aware that your product exists and therefore they can make their own decisions. True. But I'm thinking of things like Coca-Cola. They no longer have to advertise. No. McDonald's they don't have to advertise. does not have to advertise. Subway does yeah. not have to advertise. Um lawyers, I'm a little But again, confused. most of the time when you catch McDonald's or Subway advertising, it's because they have a new product. True, but also when they're a sponsor of like the Olympics or something yeah, like, that, like that, it's just uh... general awareness that McDonald's exists advertising. And why the fuck do we need that? <laughs> fuck if I know. We, I'm not. I, I don't know. We know that. And uh, and they had a category on Jeopardy Night where there were advertisement slogans. And I'm like, oh. and every once in a while, a clue. Or a whole category will be sponsored. Like last night, a category was sponsored by Audible. Oh, God. Yeah. So, like, oh, I know why they have to do it. But it's like, in the pursuit of knowledge, that's horrific. Anyway, there is our rant about capitalism. In recognizing a communist, physical appearance counts for nothing. So... What are you drinking tonight to drown this pain? <laughs> drinking uh, 2015 Chardonnay from Root and Vine. It's a California company. I'm trying to figure. I feel like I've had something from Root and Vine before. No, just Root. It was Root. Yes, it is a very beautiful. I love the label. Um, it's like it's like Yggdrasil with Ooh. a. With uh, two, a green and orange disc on top of it. And it's very, it's very beautiful. Like, I really like it. Nice. It was $9 at Spouts. Because when I, when I have to record something, um, and I don't have time to get to all the allele, I go to, I go to Spouts. I am also drinking a $9 wine, technically eight seventy dollars after tax. Nice. Thank you very much. Nice. Um, I got to go to the nice wine place by work today, so I picked up a couple of bottles, and I couldn't figure out which one I wanted to drink tonight, and then I realized this one had the screw-off cap, and that made my decision for me. <laughs> so I am drinking a... What year is this? A year... Of the... This has no year on it. That happens sometimes. None. Well, that's useless. 
Uh, I'm drinking a Pepperwood Grove Pinot Noir. And this was, I picked it up and I was like, okay. And I was like, it's a very weird Pinot Noir bottle because it's actually just normal, long and skinny like a wine bottle. And most of the time Pinot Noir bottles are a little bit wider. And I'm not exactly sure why, but I think it has to do something with surface area and sediment and stuff. I don't know. I don't know wine well enough to tell you why the bottle is shaped like the bottle is shaped. But this does not look like your average Pinot Noir bottle. It's from Chile. And um, it actually like uses the fact that it has a weird bottle. It calls itself the Groovy Green Bottle oh. on the label. Because it is green glass. But yeah. So, uh... Uh, this is what I'm I'm on tonight, an unknown vintage of <laughs> Pinot Noir. Nice. Well, I don't even have a good transition. No. Can't talk about anything that's in the episode. But I, uh, we are still on Death in Paradise. So today we are watching Death in Paradise, season one, episode three, predicting murder. We start this episode with a woman doing a voodoo ritual, casting bones in a fire on the beach. And she has like an entire audience, including Dwayne. And, you know, she's doing a ritual and she sees a killer in the flames and she's all, I am to be murdered. So once again, she's doing a voodoo ritual for tourists. I don't... Was it tourists, though? They I mean, were all wearing Dwayne... matching, like, Hawaiian shirts. Yeah. Okay. I mean, they only showed the audience very briefly, yeah. and I was obviously concentrating on Dwayne. <laughs> so, eh. The next day, we get to see new suits, all hot and not quite bothered about the fun things to be bothered about, but still bothered. And he gets to work, and he's all like, can we get some ice cubes for this fan? But everybody is kind of like gathering their things and rushing off because a body's been found at Notre Dame School. Yep. And so they get there, they look around the classroom, and it's the woman who predicted her own murder. <gasps> um, pretty quickly, we see a couple of glasses on the table, and Camille looks down at the body and like kind of notes her lips and all of that and she's like yeah this woman was poisoned and they find some rum on the table and Fidel's like well I don't know I went here and if Mr. Dunham is like Mr. Dunham was when I was in school I know where the rum is yes he would he would take he would take sips of it while we were doing note taking as if God. nobody noticed now, like my students told me about their wild middle school teachers and about how one one teacher kept like a straight up flask in her desk and would pour oh it gosh. into a coffee mug and one day just fell asleep. They were like, wow. <laughs> yeah. and I was like, holy shit, holy shit. Uh, I, I'm trying to think, I can't think of any teachers that I had in school, like when I was in school. And I mean, I am an oblivious person, so it's entirely possible I was just not paying attention. But I can't think of any teachers I had that I would consider particularly wild. I had I had teachers who most definitely smoked weed. Yeah. So I don't even know. I mean, I'm sure I did, but like for me, that does like 
it's not, I, I could say, like, I don't think I had any teachers who showed up to work high. I feel like there's a difference between smoking weed and then, like, being high at work. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. They would definitely be high at work. That's why I knew they smoked. Like. Oh, oh see. <laughs> it mean... wasn't, it wasn't, um, but they were mostly my, I went to a fine art school. So they were mostly right. my fine I mean, that, yeah, fair. So. You're going to get a lot more. <laughs> like, you know, you have a That's lot a of, different. you have a lot of old hippies, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so Fidel is telling a story that I recognized. Not, <laughs> what, what is weird is that nobody in my department would ever do that. But mm-hmm. there are various departments that have reputations. And it's usually the physical education department and the English language arts. So the lit department. So those two always have the the physical education is the beer and wild partying on the weekends kind yeah, of Yeah, that makes sense. And then the literature department is the, you know, the highfalutin but possibly also on hard drugs department. <laughs> That's how you get be creative, right? Not only does Fennell know where the, uh, Dunham keeps the rum, but he also points out the chemical uh, closet and knows kind of like everything about the room. And Dwayne kind of pulls new suits off to the side and kind of re- and reveals that like he was at this, you know, ritual last night and that she predicted her own murder. Yes. And that she would be murdered by a man with a scar. Uh, naturally, the next person to show up is Mr. Dunham, the headmaster slash science teacher Who himself. is a five British actor. Cheerio, back soon. I don't know, somehow I miss you. I love you, that's why I say cheerio, not goodbye. He is, I recognized him too, Nicholas Farrell. Yes, of Midsummer Murders, Father mm-hmm. Brown, and Poirot. Really? Pretty much all of the things. All of the things. And he has a scar on his cheek. Dun dun dun! We learn that the woman, uh, Angelique, was his mother-in-law. Or mother, like, his wife, he's widowed. So, was the mother of his late wife. Which you always, you still, what I've learned is that you still call that person the mother-in-law. Because nothing happened. It, was a div- it wasn't a divorce. That person is still somehow in your family because it's just... So, you call that person. I mean, I have a stepmom. I still call my stepmom, even though she and my dad aren't married. Yeah. So, like... Yeah, it's really it's- how they're related to you. Yeah. It's definitely more about the relationship. Yeah. Um, heck, I call my nephew my nephew when he's technically my second cousin. <laughs> second um, cousin... Is by marriage, right? No, it's the son of my cousin. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Camille sniffs the rum glasses. Or no, was it Fidel? It was Fidel so, who says he sniffs the rum glasses. Who says he smells almonds. Yes. And that, of course, means cyanide. So they sell bitter almonds at Whole Foods. And on the back of the package, they say, only eat three. Wow! 
But you can eat up to eight in a day. But only eat three at a time. Wow. Because it's so it's this shit called vitamin B seventeen, which doesn't exist. And it's supposedly supposed to like cure cancer or something. it does not work. So but they you sell could it. make a frangipan tart and use bitter almond to kill somebody. Yes. And you would have bought it legally. From Whole Foods. It's actually the inside of the pit of a peach. That's right. Yeah, that's what a bit of almond is. And it can kill you. That way that means if you ever have a um a peach that is broken or that the pit has been broken, throw the whole fucking peach away. Cause you will die. Of cyanide poisoning. Just as Whoops. A, just as No, a, you'd need three in a day. You need you you need <laughs> you need more than eight, I guess. <laughs> but that package we don't have a Whole Foods in Augusta anymore, but it like showed up on my Facebook and I went to Whole Foods the next day because it was my like closest, what the fuck, it was my closest grocery store. Like, <laughs> and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And so I would go to Whole Foods and like, I picked it up and read and it was right there on the back of the package. Eat three at a time and only eat eight in a day. And I was like... Are you telling... I mean, you won't have cancer if you're dead. It's very true. Universal cure. Yes, death is the universal (laughs) cure. Well, they know that cyanide is kept in the chemical cabinet and that there's only one key and Dunham has it. So to confirm... And show off a little bit, let's be real. Uh, New Suits wants to do this Prussian blue test. Which is so funny. So they did the Prussian blue test on Death in Paradise. I'm re-watching Miss Fishes. And they have one of the, in one of the episodes, she dies and her neck turns blue. Which isn't cyanide. But they just mm-hmm. made it cyanide because she was she did uh, cyanotypes photography, cyanotype photography with Prussian blue, and that's one of the ways you you do your. So once again, I don't know how the 1920s didn't kill everyone, but yeah. So it was so it was like a nice little serendipity. I was like, I just learned about Prussian blue blue from Miss Fishes. I actually looked up what causes your neck to go blue, and it's a whole nother poison, which was still ex- which would have still existed in the 1920s, and they could have used. I'm just saying that I'm a better murderer. <laughs> hey, man, I'll make a tart. You'll develop some photographs. It'll be all good. No, I mean, we just have, like I said, you just have to go to Whole Foods and buy cyanide. (laughs) You just have to go to Whole Foods. This is even easier than getting strychnine. I know. I don't have to order it from, uh, on, oh, I guess you can buy it at Lowe's. I think you can buy strychnine at Lowe's. So I guess, like, I will either murder them by strychnine and you will fry to bake them to death. Yes. Oh, marzipan. You could kill me yes. with marzipan because I will just eat it. 
Like, oh, it's Mars <laughs> like, I'm just gonna die. <laughs> this is a, this is the best way I could go. Oh yeah, like just yeah, fuck yeah. Uh, well, New Suits gets almost as excited about his Prussian blue test as we do, but Camille gets down to business and actually starts interviewing Dunham. So they learn that was there was only three people at the school that day. Um, himself. Or three other people, I should say. So, uh, Dunham, Molly Kerr, the secretary, Tom Hilton, the handyman, and Father Charles Dean, the priest in residence. Yes. And it was Father Dean, or Father Charles, he has two first names, yeah, so Father I'm going to talk this up a lot. Uh, he's the one who discovered the body. Yep. Dunham says that he really only saw Angelique there for about 10 minutes before he had to go off and run an errand at the market. And uh, they do confirm that it is, in fact, cyanide. The rum turns blue. Uh, Molly Kerr shows up and says that she's the one who let Angelique Molly Kerr this. is a fine British actor. Cheerio, back soon. I didn't catch this one. Claire, uh, Molly Kerr's played like Claire Holman. She was in Midsummer Murders like three times, I want to say. Jesus. And she was in Miss Marple by the pricking of my thumbs. Interesting. Yep. Interesting. Meanwhile, as they're kind of finishing up, New suit rails against the prophecy. Yeah. Um, Which he has a good point. Like, yes. A, prophecies are bollocks. Which was another, like, a serendipity because right after this, I watched the episode of Miss Fishes where they have a spiritual medium come in and. Oh, fun. Yeah. So, um, Miss Bolonensky. Bolonsky. Yes, Ms. Bolonsky. So, like, it was kind of weird. Like, A, anyone who claims to be a spiritual medium is out to get your money. <gasps> this episode came out before that episode of Miss Fisher. Oh! Mm. Serendipitous. Well, <laughs> maybe we know where they got it from. I know, I feel like, well, it takes a long time for anything to get to Australia, even nowadays. <laughs> like even with this amazing technology um yeah i definitely i mean i was on new suits's side a lot more this episode than i was last episode well here's the thing to an extent yeah here's the thing he doesn't like being manipulated and i don't think anyone does so he had a point that he felt like he was being manipulated with everything literally pointing to one person Yes. Like, in real life, that's actually how it happens because criminals are stupid. As a rule. Like, as a rule, criminals are really, really dumb. Like, serial killers, maybe not. But I'm not going to praise them for their abilities of serially killing. And notice that there's, like, current serial killers get caught much, much faster. Because we have better mm -hmm. technology. And so, so his yeah. point is that... If it was Dunham, yep. If it was, I literally wrote like Dolham handwriting. <laughs> I just started calling him Dunn. Yeah. So, so like, 
Dunham, being the headmaster of a school, a scientist, would not, as a rule, probably not leave all those fucking clues. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Agreed. They end up heading over to find out what kind of woman Angelique was. They go over to her house, which is creepy. I actually liked it. It was very kitchen witch. Well, yes. Slightly creepy. They were definitely trying to be like, oh, look at all this voodoo stuff. There's a lizard in a jar. You know, like they were trying to like vibe it up real hard. Yeah. It was just kind oh, yeah. of hokey. Oh, yeah. They tried to... Yeah. There was a certain vibe, but I actually enjoyed it. <laughs> um, but in, it, like, inspecting the house, uh, New Suits does find a bunch of books on various herbs and herbal remedies. Um, so, question. You just said mm-hmm. herb, but then you said herbal remedies. Why don't you just say herb? Because I just don't. I don't know. And honestly, I will say I say it both ways. No, like, most Americans obviously say herb. <laughs> I yeah, can't even no, say, and I, I do, I can't I do usually say, say herb. Yeah, I can't even say it, but, like, you say herb. You speak French. How do you not, like, take the H off of things as a rule? Yeah, I, well, because I don't. Because the reason, <laughs> the reason the British accent is the way it is is because we wanted to get away from our conquerors. <laughs> I'm just saying, I actually, I do say both herb and I do say herb. I tend to go with herb uh, as a rule, but herbal tea or herbal tea, it, it's, it's whatever to me. Like, yeah, no, it's however. just it's just very interesting. Like, that Americans say herbal. They don't say herbal. Uh, sometimes they do. But usually you do say the H. Yeah, so it's just very interesting. I don't know. Sorry. I just it's weird. It no, it's totally a weird quirk of accent oh definitely um but in the house not only do they find the book so which was what dunham had told them uh she was there to fetch from her him yeah so he's like why would he why would she need a book on herbal remedies if she Mm -hmm. has like 50 books on herbal remedies they also find a shrine to delilah the dead wife or dead daughter in that case. Yes. And they find part of a photo of Dunham burned. Hmm. Mm. Which is a, a voodoo mechanism. When you charge a spell, you need something of the other person. Just because, you know, we are, I think we all went through our Wicca spell when we were 12 to 14. You know, I I did that mostly in college. And again, I have said it on the podcast before, and I will say it again. If I was to subscribe to any religion, it would probably be Wicca. Because I'm a big believer in the, like, do what you want, just don't hurt anybody. Yes. And the power of visualization. Uh, I see that. I see that. And, you know, (laughs) my religion is quite you know, family oriented. It's not, it's, it's a traditional, I'm not Muslim by the sake of having chosen it. Mm -hmm. Like, and I wouldn't even necessarily call, I am pretty Muslim if I had to like pin myself down, but I also 
attended and was a big part of the Unitarian Universalist Church in my city. So, like, yeah, you can't say that I'm not open to the greater idea. Mm-hmm. So, but, yes, so in Voodoo, you need to attach your spell to a physical part of that, per- a physical thing of that person, and one of those things could be a photo. Mm. Just in case you needed to know a little bit about voodoo, they talk about. You always need to know more about voodoo. They talk about it later as well. So yes, for sure. I thought that was really good conversation. I was going to bring it up. (laughs) Um. Well, meanwhile, uh, Dwayne goes off to the market to try and confirm Dunham's alibi, and Tom Hilton and track down Tom Hilton. Sorry. And leaves Fidel behind to process the evidence. And Fidel's like, why can't I go? And he's like, Dwayne's like, because I look better on the motorcycle. I mean, he has a point. Fidel is tall and gawky. (laughs) He is. Uh, But uh, our other two investigators are off to finally talk to Father Charles because he is the one who found the body. And Father Charles... He's most definitely a five British actor. Cheerio, back soon. I don't know, I miss you. I love you, that's why I'm... Cheerio, not goodbye. Recognize it. Also, funny that you pointed out um, Claire in By the Pricking of Our Thumbs, because Michael Maloney... Was also in By the Pricking of My Thumbs. By the Pricking of My Thumbs. He was in pretty much every fucking murder show you have ever seen in your life. He plays a villain all the time. <laughs> Almost all the, all the time. time. Except this. Midsummer Murders, The Five, Paranoid, uh, Ring. The th- he was also in The Thick of It, which was fun. Um, yes. And I love in- The Thick of It. He was in DCI Banks as well. They try to do a US Thick of It, but it just doesn't work. No, and they. Uh, but he was also in Law & Order UK. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, he was also in, um, fuck, where was it? That one thing I was going to, what the fuck? He was also in something called Magic Granddad. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, he's been working forever. And he has that very particular face that is instantly recognizable. For sure. His first credit on IMDb is 1979. He's definitely another, uh, gets a wine and murder night. Five actor lifetime achievement award. <laughs> Definitely. Um, he's still working. Hell, he's got a couple things in post production. Yeah. So he, but he's almost always the villain. He was a, almost always. He was a villain in DCI Banks. Wasn't the five the thing that um the commissioner was in? Yeah, Warrington. Uh huh. There you go. There's only five British actors, guys. Five. We we kept saying this, and you did not believe us. I think they believed us. Oh, yeah. We just love beating a dead horse. Yeah, that's true. It's not a dead horse if you call it a bit. Yeah. (laughs) Rather, that's why they call it a bit, isn't it? (laughs) It's, no, it's recall. You gotta, you always have to recall when you do a a continuous stand-up. Not that this is stand-up, but we we do a continuous thing and we have to have all recalls, right? We do Mm -hmm. the five British actors. We do communism, and we do dismantling <laughs> the whole fucking nation state bit by bit. <sighs> Literally bit by bit! <laughs> oh god. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen. 
podcast is canceled so much earlier than we thought. Fellow fellow <laughs> fellow travelers, we have we have lost her. We have lost her. Okay. <sighs> I crack myself up. Ah. <laughs> uh. Well, we learned a couple things from Father Charles. Um, first and foremost, they went up to, he went heading towards the headmaster's room because they typically have coffee together or tea. I can't remember what she said. He looks like a coffee drinker. Um, it was about 11 a.m. and he did see Tom Hilton walking past him. Um, but he opened the door and the first thing he saw was the dead body. So he ran downstairs to get, uh, molly to call the police he also said uh camille says after this because they're all kind of heading out basically that they need to go talk to her mom because if she really wants to get a sense of what angelique was all about she should talk to one of the women who knows her yes so they head over to the restaurant where I can't remember. Is this where we learn that he hasn't eaten anything in, like, forever? Yeah. What the fuck, dude? Like, I was totally on Team New Suit. Like, all the way up until this scene. Well, he... He doesn't like spicy food. You don't have to... Fucking plantains aren't spicy. Oh, but the way they make it's really spicy. No, fried plantains are not spicy. They're just fried. Which, you know, any Brit could handle. I don't know. Maybe he doesn't like the texture. He seems to me like a texture eater. No, he just doesn't want to fucking try anything new, Sabrina. Oh, yeah. I'm not trying to he defend has, That him. shit hasn't even ever gone near his mouth. It's not that he tried it and didn't like it. He just looks at it and says, I'm not going to eat that. That is this kind of man. Yep. He's like a fucking two-year-old. Yep. Well, they learn from Catherine that Dunham had found out that Delilah was having an affair. And it was really tragic because she had been asked to leave Dunham for this other dude. And then Dunham was trying to win her back or whatever. And she felt like torn in two directions. And apparently she just one night walked off a cliff and committed suicide. And the body was never found. Which they didn't make a big deal out of it being an interracial marriage. But this happens a lot in an interracial marriage where the, the person of color in the interracial marriage, will feel erased or having to integrate into the majority culture. Mm. And so, like, they didn't touch on it. And it would have given... It would have given so much more credibility to her feeling that way. To talk about it. To make that a thing. Because they've been really, really careful about avoiding racial subjects. Which is just the BBC in general. But, like, it's such a huge undercurrent in this entire show. Like, Mm -hmm. like... Yeah. uh, Well, I mean, I think it's, it's interesting that they don't touch on it 
so much in the last couple of episodes because it was literally the motivation of Lily in the first episode. Yes. That white guys kept getting promoted over. Yeah. And I thought, like, with that as, like, a straight-up explicit motivation, we might find more of this Yeah, in the show. Maybe, maybe it was that it didn't test well in the pilot, and they were like, we gotta pull back. Can't, can't have a... Can't have this kind of explicit discussion of racism in a show. Oh, what is that fucking media term for it? Racial, racially charged. Oh yeah, racially charged. We can't have this sort of <laughs> racially charged. Racially charged language. Yeah, race, uh, what the fuck ever. We can't have this explicit discussion of racism in an island that was colonized by two colonizing countries. No, yep. let's just ignore that that happened. Let's ignore that in an interracial couple, the pressure to conform with the majority relationship is huge. Not for my, I gotta say not for my mother, because she lived in cities that were majority black. So she actually had to conform with the black culture. But that's not difficult common. for, that's not common. And also not not particularly not particularly expected. She didn't have to. She decided to. She decided to learn how to cook southern meals. She decided to learn vernacular. She decided to do that. White people don't have to. They come in and they gentrify. Mm -hmm. They're not expected to acclimate to the culture. So Dunham did not, expected his wife to become a headmaster's wife. Which Oh, yes. I mean, and I feel like, I think, not to take away from your points, because I obviously it's, it's very true, but I think also when you have a character like Dunham, it's doubled, right? Because he's it's even worse. super when you overbearing. Have, when you have a white person in power. In an and not even just a white person in power, but a asshole yeah, in power. True. Like, I want to point that, like, Dunham is not a nice man. No. Like, at one point, they talk about him, how he was when Fidel was in school. And he's like, yeah, he basically had a stick up his ass all the time and yeah. he didn't want to cross him. Yeah. But in a nice way, because Fidel is a nice boy. Yeah. He's very polite. He's very polite. He's fucking Canadian. <laughs> so it was, so this would have actually been a nice thing to discuss. It's there, if you really think mm -hmm. about it. Why are they arguing? They're not arguing about money. They're not arguing about... They're arguing about her place in the society, where she feels mm -hmm. like she's being torn away from her culture. And, Well, like, she felt like actually more so she was torn between two men, was the true. implication that I got. True. And I thought it was interesting because the other man was also a white guy. We do learn that it is Father Charles. Mm -hmm. Well... Pre-fathering. Pre-seminary, yeah. Pre- I liked my term better. <laughs> <laughs> but what we don't get in a good discussion of racism, we do get actually a really good discussion of voodoo. Yes. And religious respect, I should say. Yeah, that was one of the things that when I worked when I volunteered in West Africa and when I surfed in West Africa and South Africa that it was a big discussion about colonization and religion and things like that and they were all like every surfer I met in Senegal wore a cross 
or mm-hmm. they would invite me to church or to mosque. When they realized I was Muslim, I got a lot of like invitations to mosque, and I'm like, I, I'm literally sitting here in a bikini. I don't. This is a really <laughs> I'm not that practicing. This is a really awkward conversation to be having. I don't know if you've noticed. So voodoo itself is the African religions expressed with the Catholic saints. Like yes. the Catholic saints became, as they explain on the show very well, the Catholic saints became proxies for these African gods. Mm-hmm. And so it is a very good way of holding all traditions whilst being forced into another one. So that is what voodoo is. Um, they they kind of explain it in a way to kind of shut new suits up. Like, fuck you. It's actually based... It's not. It's African religions because they needed to hide their African religions from their captors. And so right. by using Christian iconography and by using saints and things like that, you could still pray to your gods that you still care about. But I think also, that's obviously the, the genesis of yeah. it. But I think just like anything, just like language, just like everything, it, it did has evolved over time. Yeah. And now and there are a lot of voodoo practitioners who consider themselves crap Christian. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they would. And the thing about it is you lose that this was a secret to continue to worship our gods and to continue to follow our religion. You lose that in the centuries. I mean, obviously. Mm-hmm. So you lose that and it becomes this is how this is how we worship god this is how we worship so you lose it and it becomes part of the majority religion um catholicism very good at doing that oh catholicism great just ask the icelandic people (laughs) i mean for fuck's sake i mean pagans man Uh, yeah so like what's really weird like the icelanders were just like okay sure we're gonna not we'll do that. We'll do that. They were very chill about conversion because the Catholics told a good story. Um, false- Who doesn't love a good story? Exactly. And they, the, I gotta say, the Catholics took what they learnt from converting pagans in Northern Europe. They took what they learnt and brought it down to Africa and were like, hey, Let's tell you the story of Baron Samadhi. He's actually <laughs> Saint Christopher and his house. <laughs> like, you know, so they took yeah. they took what they learnt from the pagans and brought it down. Uh they had to kill a lot more people. But they would not I mean re- they, they but- killed a lot of pagans too. Don't get don't get it twisted. There just weren't in that many people at the time. <laughs> to be fair, they didn't think black people were human. So yeah, to be super fair. <laughs> so to be super honest, they didn't care that they killed all these Africans. It was it was they weren't human. It was fine. But um, well, I think that it's interesting that we talk about it. I mean, obviously, you know, racism has been around a really long time, and like one thing that I think is interesting to touch on is that the construction of race, because the pagans weren't human to Catholics for a really long time yeah. either. And that had nothing to do, like, it's not to say that the color didn't make a difference. It's just that there was a different definition of white. And that included, not it didn't include pagans. Yeah, what happened was that 
once they discovered that they could go to Asia and Africa and didn't need to continue killing their brethren in Bohemia and what would become Sweden and, you know, Saxony and all that. Once they were like, oh, okay, never mind, we have other people to kill. Oh, they're tan. What is this? And then Europe started coalescing around the fact that we are not tan. Then we are higher. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Well, one important detail that comes out of this whole conversation is that they stumble on the fact that maybe the reason Angelique hated Dunham so much is that she absolutely blamed him for, or absolutely believed, I should say, that he murdered his wife. Yes. And so New Suits proposes the theory that the prophecy was more less a prophecy and more her insurance policy. Right. That everybody would start looking into this guy. So with that in mind, they head back to the station uh, where Dwayne has managed to track down uh, Hilton. God, that's his name. I have the worst fucking handwriting. <laughs> and we learn that he's kind of like a local rowdy boy, been arrested several times, but for nothing too particularly egregious, mostly just like petty theft. I like and- how New Suits is like, is murder on that list? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like, this is nothing. Basically, um, which I appreciated. But we do also learn that Dunham was not at the market that morning. And so they head back to the school, uh, Camille and New Suits, to try and bring Dunham in just for some questioning. But he basically tries to blow them off. And Camille's like, all right, fuck you. I'm um, going to arrest you. I thought this was so... Again, this is 2011 already. So, like, I feel this, if we want to talk about racially charged language, uh, she's she's basically reading him, cuffing him, reading him his rights, doing the normal police stuff to arrest somebody. And New Suits is like, I was trying to bring him in quietly. And she was like, well, he wasn't cooperating. He's just like, it's a good job you're not armed. And I was like, fuck you. <sighs> yes, because angry black women. We'll just mm-hmm. shoot everything. I mean, legitimately, if you gave me a gun, I would have shot him in the face. But, <laughs> you know, like, like, sure, sure. I get angry a lot. But it's not because I'm black. It's because the whole existence that I live in is bullshit. So- oh, my fucking God, Sabrina, I apologize. I'm going to have to interrupt you because I just realized what I was trying to pull up. On IMDb for Michael Mahoney? Yes. I'm staring at it in the fucking face? Yes. He was Kalon in the cult episode, which we did on this show! Yes. It's a double jeopardy! Yes. I I actually... Five British actor! I should have written that down, because I actually knew that. I mean, I I knew that before we started recording! (laughs) (laughs) Well, Dunham is stupid huffy about why he's been arrested and New Suits is still kind of like, okay, literally I'm being manipulated here. What the fuck is going on? 
And he's like, go through the evidence, Camille. Convince me that he's guilty. And so they have fine, like, she goes through some of the new evidence that Fidel had bagged up, um, including a pair of gloves that they had found in the trash and a, a shard of glass in the sink. And she basically, she's like, this is, I can't, I can't tell you exactly why he's guilty other than the fact that he is. Yes. It's intuition. It's womanly right. intuition. And New Suits is just like, no, this is, he's not this stupid. Yeah. Why would he kill Angelique in his place of work? So this is, this is where I'm like, definitely. Like, definitely. Yeah. I mean, but of course, murderers are stupid. So he could just well have. He could have just gotten yes. so angry. But it's poison. It's not like a crime of passion. You know, it wasn't a violent murder. But as he's explaining this, why it can't possibly be him, the commissioner shows up. Turns out Dunham used his only phone call to call the commissioner. And he's like, well, I'll show you why I lied at the market and you can arrest me for it if you want. So he takes them to what at first looks like a nunnery. But is in fact an orphanage. <laughs> so this is where I was. Surrounded by orphans and nuns. Yeah. Turns out he brought them a bunch of new computers that the Notre Dame School Fund had paid for. In, because the old computers worked just fine. Yes. I was actually a little shocked that he didn't bring them the old computers and use the new ones. I know. Yeah, really? But, but, you know, actually good on him for that. I know, right? <laughs> Um, and Tom was there too, so they're both kind of in the clear uh, for the murder of Angelique because this happened exactly then. It also turns out that the commissioner was the one who was investigating Delilah's apparent suicide. Uh, he's like, we could never find a body. I even, you know, I suspected Dunham of murder. We wanted to make sure. So I even dug up the brand new patio he had built. And since we couldn't find it, we had to find the body. We had to rule it a suicide. This was actually a really cute scene between Fidel and Dwayne. And he's basically talking about his time at school and talking about what kind of person Dunham was. Again, complete asshole. Yeah, taking some kid's new shoes away. Like new expensive football cleats. I know, right? Soccer cleats. Which I did think it was very funny. They were new boots. Ah! <laughs> yeah, but complete asshole move. Oh, yeah. Super asshole. Um, but because they have all of this extra information now, they go re-interview Father Charles. And he confirms that Angelique did, in fact, think that uh, Dunham had killed Delilah. But again, no one could ever prove anything. And... So New Suits gets kind of all the old files, including the patio plans for that old patio. And he's like, oh, the grout's all wrong. He's got too much lime and all blah, blah. But then he kind of stops as they're talking about the case because Camille's like, well, I guess he didn't do it. And he's like, wait a minute. If he didn't do it, why did he try to intimidate us? And again, I'm back on Team Richard because, yeah. Yeah. Why did he try to intimidate? Yeah. So he's hiding something else. If he didn't do this, he did something. Exactly. So, new suits, 
goes to the pet store. <laughs> yes. He buys a fish tank and rigs up a thing. And they get a phone call, or he buys a fish tank, they get a phone call from uh, Fidel, and surprise, surprise, all the fingerprints point to Dunham. Yeah, of course they do. Again, we get, again, this is one of the things that bothers me. Why the fuck do we get a scene where Molly's kissing Dunham at sunset? Yeah, like, that's not necessary. It's not necessary, and I really hate when they break the, like, almost first-person view of you riding around with the policeman. Yeah, yeah. Like, why are you giving us viewers this extra information? A, you've already done a good job throughout the rest of the script implying that Molly was super-duper in love with Dunham. Right. But B, why break the suspension of disbelief that you are part of the team? It's a it's a BBC trope. What are you going to do? It's a it's a cozy mystery trope. It is it is a it is a cozy it. mystery trope, but it is it is most definitely something that the BBC does poorly. Yeah, I I really anyway personal pet peeve. Yeah, but anyway, the next morning, uh, New Suits is shamed into calling his mom by his lizard friend, and Camille shows up early while he's still in his pajamas. But something fun and interesting here. New Suits has rigged the fish tank with a light bulb and super glue, which should then reveal fingerprints on hard-to-read surfaces, such as... Latex gloves! Hmm. This is something that I've learnt from watching uh, Forensic Files on CNN. So sometimes when I go over to my mom's and we're sitting around waiting to go somewhere, we'll watch Forensic Files. Or when we come back to hers, we'll watch Forensic Files on. This is a legitimate method still used to this day. So. So fucking sweet. Yeah. I actually was going to look up the science and didn't have time to. It is. It is. That's so cool. Yeah, it's a legitimate science still used to this day by uh, forensics experts. So cool. Uh, well, back at the station, Fidel is trying to earn some brownie points. He's hung some ice cubes in front of his fan, which New Suits does appreciate, but he has no time to sit down because he refuses to be intimidated. Dun, dun, dun. So he heads over to the Dunham estate. And I actually, again, I'm back on Team New Suits. Like there was a point in the middle where New Suits lost me. But I'm back on Team New Suits because I thought I loved this scene with him and Camille. They just kind of like stroll in there because part of it's at this point we know Dunham's an established asshole, mm. innocent or not. He's an established asshole, right? Um, and most of the time, if the police did this, they'd be they'd be the assholes. But we know Dunham's the worst person, <laughs> and so. They sit down and they get lemonade and Dunham's like, don't play games with me, Inspector. You know I'm better at them. And um, everybody's just like, oh man, you're fucking going down, aren't you? But New Suits confronts him about the book thing. And he's just like, I don't know. Like, that was why she was there. And they're like, well, we're just going to keep asking you the same questions until you tell the truth to us. Uh, but the patio that's there is not the same patio that was dug up. Um, so we do learn that. 
From there, they head over to Catherine's again, where New Suits is lamenting the state of the case. And she gives him some actually pretty good advice. Uh, if you can't find the right answer, you're asking the wrong question. Thanks, Mama. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> and she makes drinks for everybody, and he takes a sip, and then he has, like, the biggest, like, spit take in, like, Death in Paradise history, and he's like, what's in this? I used to pronounce Gross. spit take just- spitaki to... <laughs> To rhyme with Bukaki because I had only I had only ever seen it written. So, like the first time I heard somebody say "spit take," I was like, "What? What, what is that?" This happens to be his aha moment. Oh. Uh, he mutters to himself, says thank you to Catherine, and then they round everybody up for the dramatic reveal. So, at the school, in Dunham's classroom, New Suits breaks it down. It wasn't Tom, and it wasn't Father Charles. But they forced Father Charles, Father Brown would be very disappointed, to break the seal of confessional because she's dead. <laughs> or rather he does because he's persuaded by that argument. Not yeah. how it works, brah. I know, right? Uh, but we learn that Angelique had heart disease. Mm. And then wait for it. Wait for it. Angelique killed herself. With her knowledge of local herbery, she made her own cyanide from the cassava plant. Cassava makes a good uh, alcohol as well. And a flower. And so cassava... All-purpose root, really. Cassava (laughs) is one of those roots that is a main kind of starch. Mm -hmm. And um, it comes from South America. So it's, it's it's a main kind of starch that has been gentrified... Because you can find it in Whole Foods, along with Has your, it really. Yeah, it's it's unfortunately been gentrified. Oh God! So once again, quinoa. It, now that's one for mispronouncing. Yes, it's been used to. It's used to produce tapioca, and I love the problem is. Oh, I love fucking tapioca. Me too. So good. I fucking love tapioca. Also, baking tip for anybody who wants to make a not shitty pie. Not a capitalist pie, but a good pie. Uh, use tapioca flour when you're ever using ja- uh, juicy fruits, like strawberries or cherries or anything like that. It doesn't, um, it soaks everything up, but it doesn't coagulate as badly as regular flour or cornstarch. Uh, and they even talk about the toxicity. So you do have to be very careful when producing. I think what you're trying to say is that Whole Foods is attempting to murder its patron. <laughs> they move into gentrifying cities. Murder it's really wh- a conspiracy. <laughs> murder the white people so black people can take their cities back. I'm totally into that. Like, I'm totally into that. <laughs> Thanks, Whole Foods. Except I'm black now people and I by... shop at Whole Foods. So, Well, now they're owned by Amazon, so their motives are suspect. Oh, uh, well, you know, uh, 
black people are too poor to shop at Whole Foods, so it still could be a conspiracy thing. <laughs> so he's like, okay, so we know Angelique now killed herself. You're all good to go. And everybody starts streaming out, but then he stops. Oh, okay. You have to, here's, here's why, cassava. You can use it in tapioca. It's a good flour. You have to peel it and you can never eat it raw. Right. So there you go. But he stops Dunham and arrests him. And he's like, what? We- I'm innocent. You just said she killed herself. And he's like, no, no, no. I'm arresting you for the murder of your late wife. And he's like, you're a chemist. Why would you mix up? How would you mess up the ratio of your grout? Why did you order too much lime? What did you use it for? Quick lime. Oh, if you mix water and lime, you get quicklime. Backing up, I just read this amazing story, this amazing true story about a Norwegian, a female Norwegian serial killer who emigrated to America and wrote in Norwegian language, wrote these like seeking husband in these Norwegian newspapers and killed them for their money. And used quicklime and buried them in her huge farm property. Damn. And she was caught. Or actually, so they her her farm was set on fire, and she, and her, the the bodies of her two children and a headless woman were found in the basement. Shit. Nobody since they couldn't find the head of the woman. They were like, is this the nanny or is this the serial killer? And this was in the night. This was in the 1800s or the, the early, early 1900s or maybe. Yeah, I think the 1800s. And so they didn't have like DNA. They couldn't like see. Figured out. And so the, the way they caught on to her murders was that one of the brothers of one of the missing husbands got really anxious and was like, he hasn't written me. He was supposed to meet up with me. And then they found that because he was the newest victim. I guess the last one before the fire. And she used quicklime to dissolve the, her, these bodies. Well, there you go. Quicklime is um, better than pigs, usually. <laughs> like, And, uh, but what would an arrogant son of a bitch do with a skeleton? Yes. Except hang it in his classroom. Which was the worst part of this entire television episode. Like, I I was like, holy shit. What an awful thing. Seeing his new suits was like joking about the skeleton yeah. in the episode. And later in the episode, really. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, Father Charles gets all angry and like has to be restrained and... New Suits is like, I told you he would, she would never leave me for you and all of that. Yeah. And that's so the button on the episode is that Camille makes a prediction that New Suits won't come out with them. And he's like, no, I definitely would love to accept excuse, excuse, excuse. And in a really sweet moment again, um, Dwayne and Fidel kind of talk over the case and Dwayne gives Fidel a present of teeny tiny football boots for his ch- child. Yes. He he says like boy and then he's like also a girl. 
you know, if she decides to play soccer. And I was like, smooth move. Good save. Good save. Good save. Back at the hut, New Suits is trying to convince the uh, lizard to eat cat food. Yes. Read a fucking book, bro. Um, they like bugs. <laughs> he's fine. He's fine. He'll eat all your but, mosquitoes. It's great. I should exactly. really. I just want a lizard for that. <laughs> uh, but Camille's catches him doing this, and she's like, "No, you have to come out." Catherine promised she'd make a real English feast for you, and with roast beef, which is wrong. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know this is made by the BBC. When you have Yorkshire pudding, A, you need to have gravy with it. And yep. B, parsnips, not fucking potatoes. Okay, but... Rest my case. Potatoes are a whole lot easier to get in the Caribbean. I mean, sure. Make and em- they do eat a lot of potatoes in England. Yes! But with a roast meal you have roast parsnips and cassava can is more closer to a parsnip than a fucking potato just slice it up and roast them i don't know i'm anti-parsnip as a rule so well, i'd eat the potatoes before anything you're else. wrong i don't like potatoes what the fuck Serena? i'm the wor- we've discussed this i'm the worst german in the history of the world they don't even have a flavor i don't like potatoes Except smashed. Okay. I like them smashed. Well, at least you're, they've got that going for you. <laughs> but everybody eats dinner together and it's really cute and it was nice. Yes. Did you figure it out? Yes. And... It was because of the preponderance of evidence against Dunham. And mm. in real life, that would just be Dunham. But in a cozy mystery, that's not. Yeah. So I also knew that she killed herself, but I couldn't remember if I... Like, I, again, I don't trust myself to say I figured it out the first time I watched this, because this was the second time I have watched this. Yeah, I figured um, it out the first time because, like, it was... I didn't... I wasn't thinking about... Angelique and her murder. Oh, not Angelique. Delilah? Yeah. Oh, I was right. I wasn't thinking about... No, you were right the first time around. So, but it was like... Yes, it was a yeah. it was a preponderance of evidence that means somebody's trying to point you in his direction and point you away from him. At first, I thought it was Molly trying to protect on him. Yeah, that was the only thing I could have seen as a potential red herring. Yeah. I think this murder wasn't as nuanced Mm -hmm. as the last murder Mm -hmm. which i think so i think i enjoyed the last murder more yeah uh did you like the episode i did i really liked this episode i did too and i thought again now the pilot episode our big my big complaint was that like we weren't really we're just getting the teeny tiny taste of the characters and both and this episode especially i think we got a really good serving of characterization i just thought my i think that was the biggest thing and i thought we got more of the island we got more fidel we got more of everyone everyone Mm -hmm. had a personality in this show in this episode and it was less combative 
Like, yeah. there wasn't like, ooh, I hate you. Although, he was very anti-French the entire time. But that's just... I think that's that's just gonna be a running joke. That's just gonna be him. Yeah. Oh! This, uh, what else I wanted to say about the roast beef is that that's what the French call... They call, like, Brits roast beef. It, like, <laughs> it's, an, it's an insult. Like... Like we call we call them frogs. They call us roast beef. But I was in France when I was teaching English in France. I was with some British girls, and one of the girls whose name was Tiffany was like, "I love roast beef. It's not an insult." <laughs> like I was like, and that was my thought. I was like, "What the fuck ever? I love roast beef too. I would eat it every day." <laughs> I mean, it's it's the the French shade of the English is almost too subtle. Yeah, it's like, like uh, in pastry, the very one of the very 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 first sauces you learn is creme anglaise, mm-hmm. you know, English cream. Yeah, and it's literally just like the most basic custard sauce flavored with vanilla. Yes, that is all that's in it. It's just vanilla. And it's a custard. It's and it's really good. And the English wouldn't have bothered with vanilla. The French bothered with vanilla because they have vanilla colonies. Like yes, that's true. But I think also like the the point is really just they're like, uh, this basic sauce. Yeah. So it's, it's just English. That it's just it's just basic. But actually, vanilla is very is a very French flavor that the British happen to pick up. Like. Mm-hmm. Like okay, and it's also actually a startling complex flavor. Like yeah. people should not shit on vanilla. Like don't get me wrong. Like my favorite flavor of ice cream is not vanilla. But what like, is your favorite flavor of ice cream? It was like oh, National Ice Cream hard. Day a couple days ago. Oh, that's real fucking. So hard. here's what I'm with. I love every ice cream. Same. But so in Sweden, I went to Sweden. Obviously, we talked about this too. And there was an ice cream. There was everyone was having. It was a really hot day, mm-hmm. and so everyone was having gelato. So I picked up. It was they were both fruit ice cream, and I was just trying out my Swedish pronunciation. So I ordered one that I couldn't. I didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, it was Korsba. Korsba. And so I'm looking at it. I knew what one of them was. I think it was mango or something like. So I ordered like mango and Korsba. And it was two flavors and a little... And then, like, I left the gelato place, eat my gelato, and I take out my phone and I Google it. It's fucking cherry. (laughs) And I was like, okay, I recognized that it was some kind of berry. Yeah, I caught that. I did not know the first part. And I was like, I wonder what this is. And it just looks so nice. That I was like, I'm gonna have that. I bet that was a very pretty cone, though, with mango on one side and cherry on the other. It was a bowl Beautiful. because I didn't want to look. I didn't uh, want to embarrass myself by like dripping anything, <laughs> so I had a little spoon. Um, so and I ate. It was yeah, it was mango on one side and cherry on the other. And I usually don't like cherry, but that was actually fucking delicious. So um, I love cherry. So anyway, I love I, think- I love all fruit flavors, but I also like stuff like cookies and cream. And turtle tracks and fudge. I think ripple. my favorite current flavor is I'm a big fan of like that sweet cream vanilla base and then doing like a salted caramel truffle. So it's not like a it's got like ribbon of salted caramel and then it's got like um kind of chocolate candy pieces that are also filled with caramel in it. Yeah, so um, that's a isn't that that's a, my thing. That's a turtle that's track, isn't it? 
No. Well, so I've never heard it called Turtle Tracks. I think Turtle Tracks is similar, but I don't that know. That might be a brand name from Bluebell. Yeah. Because Bluebell is big in the South. You know Bluebell. Man, H-E-B! Actually, there's a Kroger version that has something similar, but the H-E-B version is better. Okay. Just so you know. If you're in Texas, that's my chain. <laughs> All right. Enough about what's our favorite ice cream. How did you like your wine? I'm trying to figure out if I like my wine. <laughs> there were like sips that weren't great and sips that were marvelous. So I'm not even, I'm not really sure, actually. I'm just like, okay, so here's the thing. It had a lot of leg. It almost mm-hmm. like, I would drink it and it would like slide down the glass. So it was very leggy. Slinky wine. It was very alcoholic. That's what that means. So some of them, some of the sips were very tart and acidic, and some of them were very sweet and light. And so I'm like, I don't know what the fuck to think about this, Chardonnay. I was really confused. So displays aromas of ripe pear and stone fruit with poised oak notes of vanilla on the nose. The rich fruit carries through on the palate with caramel and toasted oak. See, I didn't, I didn't get the caramel. But I got the oak and I got the fruit. So it was it was a very uh, interesting wine, I guess. Now, I drank the whole glass, but it was just, I don't know what to think about it. It was very interesting. On a scale of one to nine. I don't know. Um, Pick a number. It's your own arbitrary fucking scale. Six and a half. Six and a half. All right. Because it wasn't consistent. That's what it is. It wasn't a consistent taste throughout. Like, every sip was different. But that's what mm-hmm. made it okay. Like, you know, you 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 get an interesting... You don't want a consistently bad wine. Yeah. You, <laughs> and you, you do usually want a consistently good wine. So this was consistently neither. But I'm going to give it a six and a half. This has exceeded my expectations. Good. I will say that. So you got to read off the back years, all of the notes and stuff. Um, part of the reasons I was looking at this one is it doesn't have any notes nice. whatsoever. I just read the back. But it does have a couple of badges on it. Uh, gold medal winner since 20, uh, 2001. Nice. Um, it says wine enthusiast best buy selection and wine spectator best value selection. And you know what? I agree. It's for eight fucking 70 after tax. I am extremely pleased with this bottle of wine. Nice. Um, so it doesn't have any notes or anything like that. It basically trusts you to taste your own fucking wine. Yeah. Well, I didn't, um, I didn't read the notes. Like, I just, I like the label. Eh, I mean, you read some copyright then. Oh, no, no, no. I didn't read it before drinking it. So I have No, no, no. I'm saying, like, there's no copy on this bottle. Oh, okay. <laughs> there's none of it. Literally, it says red, white, or green. In a sea of choice, Pepperwood Grove keeps it simple. For over 20 years, we've offered an innovative collection of versatile, crowd-pleasing wines that deliver quality and value. You've got occasions. We've got wines. That is what the bottle says. (laughs) So yours is a straight ad copy. Mine is trying to tell me about the wine, which I didn't Right. But, like, frankly, I appreciate that. That That is... This is a... It's a shockingly good Pinot Noir from a non-Pinot Noir bottle. It's, they do have like a little like grid on the back that has like, it's dry as opposed to sweet and light. It's in the 
medium bodied, literally dead centered between light bodied and full bodied. And, you know, I'm going to have to give this, it's definitely not the best Pinot Noir I've had on this show. And certainly not the best Pinot Noir I've ever had, which was a really fucking expensive Pinot Noir. But this is, this is an 8.5 bottle of wine and cheap as shit. I mean, not as shit, but like, like ex- inexpensive. It's, it's very inexpensive. It's an excellent value. Yeah. It is what it says. It is a great value. Good. Buy this bottle of wine. Good. So, on a scale of 1 to 10, what would you grade it? 8.5. And I will say, you're like, oh, I finished my glass. I am deep (laughs) into this bottle. It's a Tuesday, guys. It's a Tuesday. I have to go to work tomorrow. (laughs) I only have, I only, I can only ever have one glass because of my calorie restrictions. So, Uh, so like, yeah. (laughs) Hey, well, you know. It's working. What can I say? As always, Sabrina, they can find us on social media. You can find me at Classlicity. And you can find me at SDM Rights. And you can find our official Twitter at Wine and Murder Night. You should follow us there, even though we're not going to be putting up any polls for the foreseeable future, because every once in a while, we're hoping, fingers crossed, to be able to do a special episode like a... Miss Marple or a murder, Midsummer Murders or a movie or something. So we're hoping to do some special episodes, even if we can't have a normal bi-weekly recording schedule. Exactly. Um, We do always appreciate if you rate and review the show. Again, I know we're kind of in our twilight phase, but we are going to be keeping the feed up, even if we do have to transfer over to a new um, host. Um, so the subscription feed might change, but we'll let you know about that on the Twitter as well. Yeah. What do we say, Sabrina? Spasiba. Spasiba to Anton Koryakov, who wrote and performed Rest Start off the... Sorry. We... Again, I'm I'm deep. (laughs) Who wrote and performed Simple Life off the album Rest Start or Restart. We are not really quite sure because I've only read it, never heard it pronounced. (laughs) Yeah. Spit <laughs> <laughs> Until next time.